Non, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, moi, s'évader, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. The time has come. Catherine Bigelow! This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil? <laughs> Did he spoil me? No! I remember quite clearly it was 1946 and I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. Michelangelo Antonioni. When I'm asked what the big difference is between the movies of the 1970s and those of the 80s, I say that in the 70s, the best directors were trying to make the great American film, and in the 80s, they were trying to make the great American hit. The career of one director in particular dramatizes that, and his name is Robert Altman. I imagine that a lot of people who don't really follow films think of you as somebody who has been inactive for a while. How does that make you feel? Well, I don't think about it very much. Uh, it, it depresses me a little bit that uh, that my worth is gauged on that those scales mm -hmm. but whose isn't welcome to filmotomy podcast number 33 this is steve schweikhofer deputy editor at filmotomy.com and with me today i have bianca the other deputy and, Sorry. and the boss robin that'll be me thank you Hello. Okay, we have been going nuts on the site with several projects on the go. Uh, we put Meryl Streep to sleep. And, uh, I'm going to lose my temper now. And then uh, we're kicking off the, the Mar Bergman centennial celebration. But today we're going to focus on a project that we're just wrapping up, and that's uh, discussing Robert Altman. We've had a number of good reviews uh, posted on the site, and he was probably one of the most influential directors to come out of the 70s and into the 80s, and um, we're just going to talk about our impressions. I watched Gosford Park recently, and it kind of blew me away again. How many how many uh, drawing room, British drawing room mysteries have we seen in our lives? And then along comes Gosford Park, and you, know, you get gobsmacked by it. <laughs> Yes. Boy. I was uh, wondering, William, if I could have a word with you alone after dinner. I can't leave my guest, can I? Um, You'll make that dog sick. Isabel, did you know that William and I are, are, are going to business together in, in the Sudan? No, I didn't know that. It's quite exciting. Um, You've recently seen images, Bianca. I know that was one of the last Altman's I saw. Mm -hmm. Um... And it kind of surprised me because it's kind of a horror, like it's almost like a, um, the Babadook type situation. Yeah. But it's not what I expected from Altman. And I felt like I thought I knew everything I needed to know about Altman, but I was wrong. But what what was your take on it, first timer? Oh my gosh! Well, I really really enjoyed it. I actually think it's probably 
my new favourite film. Um, I just felt it was very... Uh, I don't know, it wasn't really like an Altman film in a way because I think everything else that I've seen of his is very much... Uh, you know, it, you can tell it's an Altman film. You know, say, like, Nashville or MASH or the player with, like, just the way the writing is but i was surprised to find out that he had written images as well um which really sort of blew me away and i didn't really it seemed like a i always wanted to see if he he's done anything else like that because it just felt so different and it felt like now that um i had gone from watching through a glass darkly um <laughs> the Bergman film about schizophrenia and then gone and watched images and it was like a weird sort of combination but they worked so well and it was just like a a really interesting film and it kind of had me sort of like on the edge of my seat it was the tensest thrill ride I've, I've watched for a long time and uh because you don't know what's going to happen and, and that was so refreshing because there's so many films nowadays which seem to follow the same beat and plot point and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I was just so I can't really express how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> I think, I think uh, sorry, go on, Steve. I think the term Altman esque he even laughed at it because I don't think it's a typical Altman film. Sure, when he's when he has to direct a herd of actors walking through like Nashville or The Player, that's one thing. But when you've got a film like Images, a perfect example, Three Women is another good example. These small, intimate films, especially if the lead is a woman, uh, you get a totally different Robert Altman, completely different. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, someone I spoke to said, oh, the 70s wasn't a really good time for women. They didn't really have very uh, leading roles in, in film, etc. And I thought, yeah, like, what Images is a perfect example of, of a film with a, a very strong female lead. And um, it's a very interesting, it doesn't, I almost think maybe a woman could have directed that. It didn't seem like a male director behind the camera. Susanna yeah. York, Susanna York is, is immense in it. It's like one of the best performances of, of the decade for me. She's so yes. good in it. She's so good. Did she yeah. win in Cannes for that, or was it Venice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she I in, think yeah, she, she won in Cannes. Yeah. didn't do well either like it won quite a lot of critical praise but it, it didn't do well at the box office none of his internet films did did particularly well at the box office now i don't know why that is because they were they were playing they had equal time in the theaters as everything else back in the 70s um he had very ambiguous endings which usually throw people off kilter a little bit probably not so much in the 70s as it does now because people just reject that entirely Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I, I I found images worth um, worth a watch, and I I kind of felt a little bit 
questioning my own sanity later on. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does. It kind of like. Sometimes it feels like she's in the room with you, especially towards the end, and it's it's quite it's quite freaky in a way. Yeah, there's there's one moment which I don't really want to spoil, but um, it's so well done because she's sees a version of herself and they're talking and um, they're both t- speaking at the same time and the, the the dialogue and everything is so and you see the reflection in the car window and it's just such a interesting way to show like uh, the the breaking reality and the split and the, the you know, almost like a split personality, but schizophrenia isn't really a split personality. But mm. it's showing how her, her her consciousness is split and everything. And I, I was like, that is um, such an interesting way to portray that. But definitely after watching Through a Glass Darkly and uh, Images, I'm interested to, to the... I think it's a very interesting subject, and yeah, they're both that is a great, great double bill, definitely. <laughs> mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. add uh, Polanski's repulsion to that. Yeah. Yes, it was very surprising for for me to to watch uh, Robert Altman's images. I, I just didn't. Mm. I typed in images 1972 into Google and didn't really get much. It was you all, got lots of all from images. different. <laughs> yeah, from 1972. <laughs> Oh God! People in bell bottoms and top hats. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. I was like, "Oh my God, this is really old-fashioned." <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned surprise, and I think that was that was uh, Altman's secret weapon. Yeah. I think that's what he intended to do with every film, starting with Mash, was to uh, just surprise, if if even shock, if he had the chance. Yeah, that was straight after Mash as well, and before before Nashville, so. Even yeah. in sight, even in hindsight, you think, "Oh, should should you yeah, he made have made that after that?" Um, but no, not Altman. He's like, "No, I'm going to do this now, and then I'll then I'll go and do Nashville." Yeah, and he was cranking them out like two and two in the same year, I think. Yeah. I'm just going because McCabe yeah. came out at very almost at the same time as well. Yeah, even mm-hmm. Mrs. Miller. Well, it's amazing because I know you were saying like all oh, these different. I've know like the main Altman films, but then we were going. You know, you had ones on there which I I didn't even, you know, haven't even heard of, and I was just like, he made so many films. Yeah. But, um, of course, he was making films way before the start of the nineteen um, seventies, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, he came from television. Television, yeah. Straight That's amazing. From, straight from the military. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought. Um, I like the player as as well, but you know, uh, it's I always thought that was his comeback film. But then I was looking through his period in the eighties, and he was still making quite a lot of films during the eighties time. You know, two what films, stage dramas, the or yes, film plays, yeah, because yeah, nobody would hire him. <laughs> and I, yeah. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't understand that. <laughs> like, well, he angered so many uh, producers. Or so many studios. He insisted on having the final cut, which you did not do back then. Uh, he often said that you will not find a director's cut of any of my films on uh, home video because what you saw the first time is what you got. Yeah. Wow. I did not realize that. Yeah, I, I expect that probably got him into quite a lot of trouble. I know what you mean, though. The player was like a comeback. I, I know what you mean by that because that was... 
that was kind of like his return to the the ensemble thing, and then he did shortcuts like straight after. So people who were new to Altman then, like maybe I was, because I was like, oh, this guy's like, and I'll go back and watch his films in the seventies. In one sense, it was a comeback because he was starting. He was starting to do his own films again instead of uh, filming like Sam Shepard's play or uh, you know, somebody else's play, hmm. David Rabe's streamers. So in that sense, yeah, it, it was a it was a return. And then when you thought that he was gone again, then up comes Gosford Park. No comeback. <laughs> How many comebacks did he have? <laughs> Three or four, at least. That's quite impressive. It's almost like. A... With some directors of that sort of era, they, you know, I, I suppose like uh, Brian De Palma or, you know, they did they kind of just disappear or they still get work, but you know, yeah, most, most when they when they fall out of favor, they just seem to evaporate. But he had such a such a penchant for uh, storytelling and truth telling, which is I think is one of his innovations. Mm. Uh, that he just he just kept making films and kept making them right up right up to the very very end. No, I just I didn't realize that um, uh, he'd been making films up until his death. That was a, a shock, really. Yeah, and he kept star transplant a secret for years, so well, they, but... still so they he could still get insurance to make films. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is actual dedication, isn't it? To it to is. your to your job. Yeah, Paul, all... Paul Thomas Anderson was his assistant on uh, Prairie Home Companion. Yeah, so he met his wife, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Well, it, it's a small world in in, uh, in Hollywood. <laughs> but you can see Paul Thomas Anderson's obvious influence as well, so he was probably thrilled to that gig. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, i just written a piece on Popeye. I knew instantly when I watched Punch Drunk Love, I recognised that that song, and I, that that's Popeye. And it just seems like now that I've written my piece on, on Popeye, everybody's been like, "Did you know that was used in Punch Drunk Love?" Yes. You notice how uh, Popeye's reputation is now beginning to rise again? Yeah. After being I'm, slammed when it was released. I I can't believe that. It was. I don't. I don't understand that. Oh. It's such a good film. It's so great. I think people really should try and give it a, a watch because I think it's. And it didn't really lose any money. No, which it, is, it made. It was his second most successful film after Mash. And I, I, I think it's a great performance by, um, well, Shelley Duvall and um, Robin Williams. They're yeah. both great in it. And he's, it's his debut, which is amazing. She's, yeah. she's fantastic. Yeah, Shelley Duvall, that's yeah. great, great casting. She's always amazing in that, and she was his discovery. She's, she's in, I forget how many of his films she's appeared in. I would almost say all of them, but... She's not in all of them, but darn, <laughs> darn she's me. not in images. <laughs> no, she's not. It's no, no, no. She's no. in Nashville, yeah. Nashville, McCabe, yeah. Thieves like us. She is amazing in Thieves like us. She should have gotten. She should have got Oscar nomination for that. It's quite interesting because she's not um, conventionally 
she doesn't look like an actress in a way. She's quite unconventional and and very sort of real. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Her expressions are true. You know exactly what is or perhaps is not going through her mind at the time. <clears throat> and I, I, I think she's perfect in in Popeye, and it's pretty much uh, quite a sad story that you know what what happened after that film because she had just come off the set of The Shining, which yeah. you can really see like it almost has deeply affected her and I think that's what makes her character like her her role as olive oil which could have been you know just a disaster but she managed to make make that character human mm. which we were saying like describing characters as cartoonish is you know not a great term to use well she uh, to go she went on to uh television after that <clears throat> to do is she did a series of um children's stories fairy tales oh, okay um which were pretty interesting but i think i think it was more therapy for her after going after suffering under mm. yeah. yeah which if you're not if you're not a, a trained and i don't know if she is a trained actress if you're not a trained actor to be told to uh you know scream for like 50 times in a row it's 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 gonna something's gonna snap. What's do we have another favorite Altman film or films? I do. Go Definitely. Use for years it was Nashville, but as I as I've been getting older, it's become uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Simply because I maybe twenty minutes from this film. Oh really? Wow, fantastic! No, that's not the only reason, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's something there's something about maybe Mrs. Miller. It's 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 got so many layers to it, and uh, his choice of using Leonard Cohen to do the score, uh, it's it's just hypnotizing, hypnotizing. And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind, you find he did not leave you very much. Not even laughter Like any dealer He was watching for the card That is so high and wild He'll never need to deal another He was just some Joseph Looking for a manger He was just some Joseph Looking for a manger uh, I suppose for me It probably would be Popeye Actually <laughs> I all the all images actually. I say that I think Popeye stays with me because it was a film I watched as a child, quite a lot, um, and really was my sort of first introduction to Altman before I knew who Altman was. I think it kind of reminded me a lot of Adventures of Baron Munchausen in, in terms of like not a a. A children's a children's film that isn't meant for children, as in like it doesn't feel like some of the. Um, it doesn't follow a formula. No, it yeah, it's kind of a bit bizarre. It's like a bit where we're gambling and going into like pretty much a um, a brothel. <laughs> it's like this is in a kids' film. It doesn't you know it doesn't really make sense, but. I feel like it's a, as you were saying, Steve, it seems to be getting more attention now, and I think it's 
it's shaking off that idea that because really it wasn't a disaster. It wasn't a disaster. No. And about you, Robin? Um, man, uh, I, I sat and watched this film the other day, and I said to my wife, "This is this is my favourite Altman." But I think I already knew, um, and that was Nashville, because it's. I love, I watch Altman films like The Player, Shortcuts, uh, I'm going to say Gosford Park as well, MASH, and I watch them with like admiration at what he does with not just the amount of actors, but also how they act. You know, like Elliot Gould in MASH and Robert Downey Jr. in Shortcuts, those kind of performances. I, I can't imagine mm. anyone else, and I can't even describe the performance. That I can't mm. really describe it, it's not a style acting. But Nashville as well, it's kind of, it resonates with me just a whole lot more than those, although they are close. It, Nashville's just so brilliant. It's every single scene. <clears throat> I don't want to spoil it, but there's a, the guy gets the bad news in the, the hospital while Scott Glenn's talking to him. And it's like two things going on. So you've got this really enthusiastic, oh, my dad, you know, did, uh, saved her in the fire. And, you know, and he's like trying to come to terms with this news. Yeah. And Altman does yeah. that all the way through it, and he does that. He does that with uh, with all of his films. But in Nashville, it's like two things are happening all the time, just like in reality. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Everything you have to deal with good and the bad all at the same time, and eavesdrop on the conversation behind you. <laughs> and the soundtrack is every single song is just great. And the, the little homage to uh, Godard at the beginning with the uh, traffic snarl. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so that's my favourite, and I could talk about it all day, but I'm gonna my, my piece that's coming up is is gonna be very long <laughs> because of that. Longer, cause... longer than my player, please. Player, please. Don Quixote. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I th- I think it's gonna yeah, because I'm gonna talk about the music as well. Um, mm. so I'm kind of in love with the soundtrack. Yeah, I, play, I played the grooves right out of mine. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. So, those were the uh, in case you're too, too young. Those were the days when we got records. <laughs> what is a record? <laughs> it's like a big plastic disc that makes sound. Let me let me Google it on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> what? But my sound comes out of my iPhone <laughs> from my iTunes. Brilliant. Well, a lot a lot of improvisation happened in, in Robert Altman films. Yeah. It's it's. Is that true? I, 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 it. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere like in the player, they the opening shot they pretty much improvise a lot of the dialogue there, like the Martin Scorsese bit, you know, that all improvised, and that that just goes to show because it seems so natural. It, it almost like seems like uh, it doesn't seem like it's been scripted at all. It just flows so nicely. Paul. What was the name of that movie that they changed the lady into the chicken at the end? What did you say? Freaks. Freaks. Have you ever seen this? Todd Browning, yes. Oh, one of us. One of us. One of us. One of us. He came in doing that. He was raving about it. She loved it. He loved it. It was thrilling for me. Um, Willa, excuse me. Did you happen to see where the tampons went that were in here? Because I can't seem to find them. I didn't take them. You, who took them? Did he take them? I don't know. I didn't take them. Well, who did? I didn't take them. Do you have a witness? I can't answer that. Well, either you have a witness or these are suspects in similar murders. Mel, have you been going to detective school? No, actually, we're doing a 
a movie right now called The Lonely Room, and Scott Glenn plays a detective much like yourself. Is he a black woman? No. Don't give him a turn. Did you go out with uh, June... Uh, uh, what is that woman's name? Goodman's daughter. <laughs> what is it? Who... Spell it for me. G-E-D-M-U-N-D-S-D-O-T-T-I-R. Oh, well, that really helps. Could you, uh, did you go out with June? Goodman started. Yeah, her. Last night? Yes, I did. We got to talking, and one thing led to another. Did you fuck her? What kind of question is that? I think it's pretty direct. Did you fuck her? Most actors loved working with him, with the exception of Sutherland and Gould and MASH. Now, perhaps it's because they weren't used to that, but uh, they actually tried to get him fired. <laughs> <laughs> Mega stars. We're stars. Yeah. No, not in, not in my picture, you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No stars, just talent. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. This is your character, and what you say and do is entirely up to you. Do it right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, and shortcuts as well. And to, to be nominated for Best Director twice in a row without Best Picture nomination as well. So how he never won the Best Director Oscar, I'll never know, because he's, he's one of the people who watch his film, and you think, how did he direct this? And the likelihood is he probably just let his actors do, not do what they want, but freedom enabled him to get his vision. And yep. there's, no, there's, no, there's no, like, rule book for it. And he was really picky about his cinematographers. Yeah. I mean, Bill Sigmund helped, helped make him, give him his signature look for the first third of his career. It's just great. I mean, in the Gosford Park, the, the way the camera moves left and right, you, you hardly notice it. Uh, I like to zoom out and zoom in as well, mm. uh, just at uh, just the right speed, at uh, just the right time. I have no idea how he did it. <laughs> I, I'm just talking about it now, and I'm like, like, I'm scratching my head. <laughs> you know, wonderful filmmaker. Yeah, and that's one film that, that I can watch over and over and over, Gosford Park. Mm. There, there's, a, there's a lot in there, including a little little uh, snag at audiences when uh, Balaban is describing uh, describing the film that he's making and then says something like, uh, when you see it, Maggie Smith says, oh, we won't go see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a fun film. Uh, do you think Robert Altman would be still working today if if he hadn't passed away? Not for a major studio, he wouldn't. No. Because he often said, I don't make films for 14-year-old boys. So that would cut him off from the from the tentpoles. I would love to see him take on one of the tentpole films, though, and do like what he did with Popeye, yeah. only without mm. without the, the flack coming back on him. Well, I kind of always I would have liked to see him do something like a Marvel Avengers movie. Uh, and see with the overlapping dialogue what you can do with that you know with like uh, but of course that would mean a lot of money being given to him and uh, yeah people might not like that (laughs) he could easily he could easily have taken on the uh, Deadpool series I think oh yes yes I can see that a lot more cutting edge I mean funny as it is but yeah, like he was the first. He was the first uh, American director to use the word "fuck" in his film, oh, in Mash. Mash, yeah. Oh, you, you've, you've read my review. 
Yeah. Is that true? And I remember the reaction too because I saw it when it was released and people just roared. Like there was actually applause. Your fucking head's coming right off and the audience went nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that. That seems so crazy now when you think about, well, you know, all the films that use crazy amounts of language. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Innocent times. Yes. Yeah. I think what the only other film in England that used it, well, who else would use it, uh, was Ulysses. Perhaps in 67? Right. I don't know. I think I'm doing Ulysses, so I, I should probably shut about that now. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of, like, if anyone is critical of, like, Paul Thomas Anderson for his portrayal of women or, you know, m- making films about women, I think Altman, when you look at MASH, which is about a man, but, but Sally Kellerman kind of, well, she definitely steals the, the entire film. Another discovery of his remarkable character, and she's just she's just basically bullied for the first for the first half, uh, and then she's one of the boys for the second. But you know, it's she's just terrific in it. Again, that's an honest portrayal of the milieu he was he was telling a story about. Yeah, but he did say what he was he wanted to make. He, he told the story about what military was like, and of course, it went on to spawn a TV series, didn't it? Which. Yeah. Uh, God knows how many seasons. Well, I can imagine. Right. Yeah, I can. I can imagine that it would probably be something that he wouldn't be very happy with. I mean, it, it's. I mean, <sighs> it just it, it went back to yeah. people would ask it. People mm. would say to him, like back then, like that they loved the TV show as if he did made it, and he, yeah. he had to correct them. Like, no, I made the film. Uh, I've got nothing to do with the TV show. The big difference between the TV show and the film is the film is not loaded with one-liners. It's all part of conversation that you you pick up. And Mm. TV sitcom, especially back then, was, you know, it was one one joke after another, after another, after another, with the laugh track tossed in. What do you two hooligans doing in this hospital? Ma'am, we are surgeons and we are here to operate. We're just waiting for a starting time. That's well, you all. can't even go near a patient until Colonel Merrill says it's okay. And he's still out to lunch. Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover and we figure to crack this kid's chest and get out to the golf course before it gets dark. So you go find the gas passer and you have him premedicate this patient. Then bring me the latest pictures on him. The ones we saw must be 48 hours old by now. Then call the kitchen and have them rustle us up some lunch. Ham and eggs will be all right. Steak would be even better. And then give me at least one nurse who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way. Oh. Oh. How do you want your steak cooked? Uh, I think uh, something like mash really was um, a t- very much a turning point for him, wasn't it? It's like, considering that you think of all the films, I, I'm just... And seeing what it came up. Yeah, that's that's when he crashed the party. He had uh, one yeah. at that cold day in the park with Sandy Dennis, and I don't. I think that was pretty much a studio effort. Mm. Well, it won. Oh, I was just going to say, one best Pritchard losing to Patton, didn't it? And and airport, um, one best supporting actress. Yeah, it would have um, the Palm Dodd, didn't it, as well in Cam, which, which would help the, the audience wise as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a very bad Oscar year. 
not a like to to disregard uh, Karen Black and Five Easy Pieces or Sally Kellerman and Mash and give it to uh, Helen Hayes for sitting delightfully in an airplane seems just too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, yeah. G, John G. Scott yeah. didn't even didn't even come to collect his prize. Oh dear me, those actors. <laughs> Parade, which is exactly what it is. If he, he was, he was, if he were alive today and saw the, all the red carpet nonsense that goes on, he would say, "See, I told you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm looking forward to so, seventy-five anyway, because of the best picture lineup. I won't go into that now, but why don't you give us a quick rundown of what else is coming up? Well, um, the Bergman, the Bergman hundred will run until the fourteenth of July, which will, I believe, is officially his will be his hundredth birthday. So we've got plenty of Oh, stuff. I wonder what he's doing on that day. Um, uh, he'll be staying in, reading the website, <laughs> to make sure we've got everything right. He'll <laughs> put us in a very dark place. Um, <laughs> the years, we're going to continue with the rewind. We're going to do 75. That's coming up um, July, early July. And we're going to then move on. And this is, a, this is a very sneak peek for you, you people. 1967 is coming in August. Um, yeah, also, we're going to focus on other directors uh, to be confirmed and soundtracks, scores and songs. In the summer, as, as the summer closes, we're going to focus heavily on British cinema, which Bianca will, will helm. Uh, yes, the, the Brits are coming, so please for that. We've got a ton of content coming for that. And it- there's some really good films as well, which um, I, I don't think a lot of people would know outside of Britain or outside, you know, a certain age range maybe as well. Uh, a lot of the classic Elan comedies, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> that so they show at the home before we have we go to bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm excited for that, really, but uh, mostly because I get to re-watch all my favourite films from growing up as a kid. So, Railway Children, I'm probably mm. going to cry at. <laughs> Bugsy Malone. The yeah, time I see you, I, um, my wife bought me a couple of DVDs from a charity shop, you know, they were like 10p and a couple of British films. A couple of British films, I was like, well, you know, I could write about that, but if it's, it's just going to be too many. But yeah, we're going to certainly going to go back to the 60s. I'm very keen on writing about those kitchen sink dramas and the, you know, the Julie Christie films and um, all that. That was a great time. Uh, Joseph Posey, yeah, yeah. Disturbing. Um, we're going to we're going to look at next time. We're going to look at the first half of the year. See what we can salvage from that. <laughs> uh, he says positively. Um, but definitely, nineteen seventy-five and sixty-seven is going to be chocker full of some great content. Yeah, and um, we need to remind audiences to to go back and see these films again. On and this this stuff they haven't seen yet that. They must mm. see. So, I mean, that's... Oh, yes, and also, it's easy to talk about the ones that are most well-known during those years, but, you know, such as Bonnie and Clyde in in 1967, but there was a lot going on elsewhere, especially in over in Europe, which people might not know, because, you know, certain films from that... Uh, those years get talked about more than others, so it's good to bring attention to that. Absolutely. And uh, the subject matter of most of those films do not end on end up on the big screen anymore. Mm, that's very true. 
intelligent adult dramas. Mm. Well, I was just wondering, like, I'm writing a piece on the Stepford Wives for 1975, and just thinking, would that film be made now? And then I was like, oh, yeah, they did remake it in 2004, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. So the answer, uh, is, so the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. should, should they? Would they? You know. Did anybody else have anything? No, just that we'll probably talk about Nashville again when we do 75, but I'm, I'm fine with that, to be fair. <laughs> well, we'll post Robert Altman, but we're not going to uh, forget him. He will be popping up regularly. Absolutely. Just when you think uh, we're having a conversation about something else, you're, you know, Robert Altman yeah. will suddenly overlap us in, yeah. and just, there'll just be two conversations it. happening at once. Just when you think it's safe to uh, turn off your brain. <laughs> Since you've gone, my heart is broken another time. Oh, railroad train has taken him from. Cheers.